0: This month on the podcast, we talk to DOP cinematographer Dan Dumichel in Vancouver, British Columbia. Partway through, the conversation takes a bit of a twist and Dan gets very real and personal with us, so be warned. I think you'll find his filmmaking journey pretty special and unique, and there's lots to learn about life and making movies. So, listen up, and let's not be lazy filmmakers. Guess what? There you go. Hey. Dan is here. Hey, Dan.
1: Hi. <laughs> Good afternoon. <Cool. laughs>
0: How's the weather out there?
1: Oh, actually, really nice. Yeah.
0: Oh, really? This is a Canadian. Yeah. This is how Canadians start conversations. You've got to ask about the weather.
1: Yeah. Dan, where are you no, in Uh I live in Maple Ridge, in a beautiful, nice old uh, heritage home. So. Yeah.
2: Oh, cool.
0: Where's Maple? For somebody who's uh, geographically challenged, where's Maple Ridge?
1: Um. So probably about an hour from downtown Vancouver I'd say so it's like Vancouver Burnaby Coquitlam Port Coquitlam uh Langley Maple Ridge so cool kind of no the further where, you go it's,
2: it's where Larry Walker's from Noah. you should know that who's Larry Walker Larry Walker
1: <laughs> I don't I don't know who Larry Walker is
2: baseball player played for the Expos oh. famous baseball player.
0: Maybe uh, I, th- I think we should maybe just start with Dan, if you want to just tell us a little bit about what got you into filmmaking. And, and um, I feel like a lot of us kind of resisted, but eventually we have to give into it.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a long history for me. My grandfather used to shoot. Um, he had a couple of film cameras. I have a great picture from when I was four or five. I was... Sh- shooting him and he was shooting me and it was a I pulled the still from the the uh when he passed I I was given all of his old um eight mil and super eight footage so I kind of digitized it and there was a still of me shooting him and him shooting me it was so that that uh you know I think it was one of my favorite things to go over to grandpa's house and see you know, his home movies of, because they they did Egypt and Israel and stuff like that. And so I'd always go over and request like a family movie night. It was just, you know, that's the earliest I can remember. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I was in high school, I got a job in Lloyd Minster's where I I grew up. And they had uh, Midwest Broadcasting. So it was just a tiny little training station. They had their own news hour so i got a job in high school part-time as a camera operator for the news nightly uh well i only did really the friday broadcast and the weekend broadcast um but yeah i was trained to do that and then you know they would have me like cut together promos like this week on Bob Izumi's real fishing show or tonight on friends you know i'd get to you know, they, they would have um, satellite feeds of, like, the clips that people could cut into, like, local um, hmm. little promo commercials. So so Dan, when I met
0: you, you, you were in Calgary. Was yeah, this before right. or
1: after? This was, this was before. So this okay. was in high school. So when you met me, um, I had finished high school. I had moved mm. to Calgary to go to... Um, uh, Basically, it's a school that doesn't exist anymore. It was uh, called Applied Multimedia Training Center,
2: hmm.
1: and uh, there was a reason. There's a reason why it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, it, really? Uh, yeah, it just pumped out a lot of grads who didn't know anything. Oh, okay, they, they taught us. <laughs> they taught us everything from like um, print media to motion graphics to like. Um, what else did we learn? Um, some basic Flash, some real basic HTML
0: oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, Flash. It's a good thing you learned Flash.
1: Yeah, <laughs> good thing. I had, I had a lot of fun doing a lot of Flash stuff, though. But, yeah, I think uh, everybody yeah. loved Flash,
2: but uh, I don't know, don't know Dan, what happened. Did, did, Dan, did working as an editor help you when you became a cinematographer? Did that Was that useful?
1: Uh, I, I think it's useful to have that knowledge of like how it's all going to get cut together for sure yeah there's always you know you're always thinking at least when i'm working it's like oh okay so they reference something in the shot do we need to see a close-up of it or are we going to creatively do something like you know like in the hallmark realm you know, there's a, they're always referring to phone calls or text messages and, you know, how are you going to cover that? It's going to be like a speech bubble that pops up on the screen or are you actually going to zoom into the phone and have somebody create that? Those are always discussions that we we have. But, um, yeah, I mean, we try to think of it in pre-production, but that's not always the case.
0: And how did you get from from um, the school that you mentioned? What was it called again?
1: It's called Applied Multimedia Training Center. Right. AMTC. Yeah, it like I lasted like maybe five years.
2: I think. Never trust us. Never trust a school with the word "applied" in it. Yeah.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I'll keep. I'll write that down. Yes. In case I want to go back.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how did I? Well, I mean, we met around this time, mm-hmm. Noah. You and I kind of had a shared interest in computers. Obviously, the you were a big. We kind of. We're big Mac fran- fans. I think you yeah. have become much more of
0: Yeah, I I fell down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I sorry mean, about that. A, <laughs> I see
1: an apple too in behind you. It's no, like Yeah, a it's uh
0: it's a Macintosh
1: SC 30. So, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: I became a little bit uh, of a collector. Um, but yeah, I remember I met you at church. And yep. um I remember you and who was the guy, the bald guy that you used to hang out with? Uh, Chris, Chris, right? Yeah, I remember Chris, I walked. In, yeah, that's right. I walked into the back room there, and you guys were were ogling over this camera, and I had no I had no idea about cameras at that point, point. and it was some sort of professional camera, and you were telling me about it, and I didn't know I had just had no clue, so I don't know <laughs> what you guys were doing with the camera there, but
1: yeah, I don't you probably don't remember. I'm trying to rack my brain and figure out what camera that would be. Um I mean, the church did end up getting some type of camera at some point before I left, but I can't for the life of me remember what it was yeah
0: yeah it's it's not really important. I just thought that was <laughs> that was interesting.
1: yeah, no fair so. enough. yeah, man, yeah we uh I liked in your notes you were like we cleaned. We cleaned yeah. <laughs> yeah that was some or that was some fun times Man. yeah well this, this is actually church, something
0: church. i kind of want to ask you about though because i find that like um artists end up doing a lot of random stuff before we kind of hit our, our groove so
1: yeah well yeah so after amtc um i got on with a group of what i call dot bombers
0: mm-hmm. you didn't uh, call them that at the time though
1: no we were we were dot comers, but yeah uh it was basically a group of we were we were a group including chris um and it was we 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 got on with this show called amazing or the show we got on with this uh, website called amazingplace.com and i i basically kind of wasted man Mm -hmm. i don't know like three or four years doing dot bomb work because we, we would work on a project the company to have seed capital, it we would run out of money and then it would bomb right. because the idea was terrible and the execution was horrible, <laughs> and we didn't have the money to sustain and make it better, uh, and find you know find out exactly what people wanted, um, you know, and then with the whole our whole team would be out of work and then the next dot bomb company would come in and be like hey we need a team this team's available they were just on this other project uh if they were smart they would have been like yeah except they failed (laughs) (laughs) so it was just like it was like we get a job and we do this and then boom we'd be out of job again like literally within a year i I think when i talked
0: to you about that back then you were doing online trade shows was your current project
1: yeah, no, it online it's online trade shows, and then we try to do it again, and I'm just like, "Why are we doing this? This is terrible." <laughs> uh, and, but and but I was working, I was working part time security for the church. I was cleaning houses because, yeah, like it was just such an unstable up and down. I needed to always have something to fall back on. Um, and when I worked for those dot bombs, I'd end up shooting little videos. And I'm like, man, why don't I just do this? For? <laughs> Cause I had so much more fun doing that than like doing the artwork for these terrible, um, uh, websites I kind mm-hmm. of just got stuck doing web stuff. Cause I knew, I knew from when I was in Lloyd, when I was doing broadcast, uh, news that I, I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I've told this story before, but my first day going to a pied training center, there were, there was um, like right next door, there were all these trucks and, and uh, production vehicles. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? And they were shooting Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show in Calgary. No way. I was like, oh, they, they, they make movies here. <laughs> like, cause in my brain, I was like, you know, they only make movies in Vancouver, Toronto. Uh, you know, New York and LA, like that, the fact that they were making TV, like high end TV and movies in Calgary was like, Oh, I didn't realize I could actually make sure or make a living doing that. So that kind of like first piqued my interest. Um, And then struggling through and, you know, really struggling with, Working in the like web industry, hating it, and then doing those, doing a bunch of videos on the side. Like I don't know if you remember, but I was, I was shooting weddings. I was shooting, um, um I was shooting like just fun little videos just for myself um, at the time, back at the church days, and then doing like stuff for the church whenever I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I was always in my head like this is what i'd like to do i kind of have this weird training but i need to like make you know join the industry somehow so i finally joined and went to sate southern
0: alberta institute of technology
1: correct yeah and i took their two-year film program there okay sorry that was a lot was it was a lot of rambling
2: Dan, was it a useful program
1: state was awesome of all the useless programs i've ever done like i really enjoyed state. uh the instructors for the most part were good there's some duds at the time but um they've moved on uh and there's really strong now it's a really strong program like right now their film their, their film program was great we got to actually shoot on film we Learn. I learned a lot, and then you get. I think the most valuable thing is just like making friends that you can shoot and work with. Right. Yeah, so, that's a common
0: theme about good film schools is that you meet other people that you end up liking to work with.
1: Yeah, I would say that was kind of like I, you know, I end up having you know meeting my uh, he's my my ex business partner, but we were business partners for like a decade almost so okay. um yeah we met there uh and yeah i worked with a ton of guys and you know they would get they would get me gigs i would get them gigs like you slowly like i i don't know if i'd recommend you know going to the most expensive schools but like say it, i think it was like eight grand a semester or something like it was cheap in comparison to like Vancouver Film School for like thirty thousand a semester or something. Right, right.
0: At least it's probably more now.
1: Yeah. Well, and that was yeah, so I mean like back in the back in my time, I think it was thirty thousand. So I don't know what it is now. So yeah.
0: And so from that point you were set, you made millions of dollars, and now you've got a nice house in the suburbs of Vancouver. End of story, yeah.
1: right? End of story.
0: Oh. <laughs> Well, actually, you know, uh, I, was, yeah. I was looking at your IMDb, and you've got a lot of yeah, stuff on pro- here. Very prolific. There dude, is a lot
2: prolific. here. The cinematographer, very prolific. Yeah, very.
0: Like, yeah. Um, I I wanted to watch something of yours um, in preparation for the the interview, and I wasn't sure what to what to watch, but I, I did start watching. Ali was screaming because that one oh, I remember. Good. I remember when you were pushing that one.
2: I thought you wanted to watch Eight Gifts of Hanukkah. That's what you were. No, that me. one's that one you were supposed to watch because you're <laughs> I was Jewish. Supposed to watch. <laughs> Oh, here we go! Stop othering me.
1: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I've done I've done two Hanukkah movies, uh, and the first one, in my opinion, was far superior. But um, really,
0: what's that one called?
1: Uh, <laughs> dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I'm trying to remember what what eight, there was eight gifts. Which you have to tell was me what the year most we'll recent it. one. What was what, the,
2: what was? The, I need to know the year, and I can tell you. I can find it. Hanukkah I want
1: to say 2019 we're looking Uh, Bruce Boxleitner was in it
2: Um, was Undercover Cheerleader was that no No.
1: (laughs) Genesis
0: Code that sounds like a bad Christian movie
1: yes it was I think it's exactly
0: (laughs) is that what it was
1: (laughs) I mean yeah for the most part
0: (laughs) no no I'm sorry I didn't mean to
1: I don't
2: no,
0: see No, that's there. Anyway, we'll we'll just have to watch them all, Evan.
1: Yeah, I I I'd have oh. to bring my IMDB to look at what it was, but uh I got to work with Bruce Boxleitner, and that was a highlight of my career. I really enjoyed working with him. Okay. Uh I don't know if you remember, did you, anybody watch Babylon 5?
0: No, I did not. Oh. Sorry.
1: He's like the main captain in Babylon 5.
0: Oh, now we have to watch all these and Babylon 5.
1: Oh, I can't believe you haven't seen Babylon Five.
0: I know it's, it's because you know I'm I'm just a little bit younger than you, I think, Dan. That it wasn't it wasn't on TV anymore.
1: <laughs> it's it, it's pretty it's pretty horrific. The uh, um, sorry, the uh, like the the effects and stuff because it was a real low budget show. And uh, yes,
0: now wow. it, I'm remembering it was on TV it was still on tv now that now that i think about it
1: i'm looking at my mdb page because i want to remember what that was called yeah i do so many of the these hallmark movies i you know they're really they really all start to blend together (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it was called holiday date
0: holiday date the very jewish sounding
1: yeah holiday date it was basically uh uh woman goes home for Hanukkah and wants and is afraid that she's single. So she convinces her actor friend to come and, uh, join, for join Hanukkah. basically with, for, with them for Hanukkah. And, uh, this, they is end a up falling very, love.
0: this is a very strong theme that I see in a lot of these kinds of movies.
1: Yeah. So. But it, it was, oh, man, like we had such a good time, uh, because really because Bruce and Terrell were the the mom and dad and Terrell and Bruce were just hilarious, like on and off, like just on it, hilarious. From the moment we were rolling to the moment we were, uh, you know, we're done at the end of the day. They were just always having fun. It was just one of my favorite sets I've ever been on. So awesome. Yeah. And uh, with my buddy, Jeff, Beasley, who directed that he's a hilarious guy lives in Winnipeg and uh we've been trying to work together ever since and it just hasn't really happened just both of our schedules have never lined up
2: Dan, have so, you worked out have you worked out east or do you stay in the bc kind of what i guess alberta area or do you ever come east to work
1: i've never i've never come east um it's never happened for me so I'd be open to it. I think that would be a lot of fun, but, um,
0: Evan for your fiction project. That you well, wanted to work on.
2: What are you, what are you going to do?
0: Oh, well, maybe I'll, uh, I'll do some special effects or something.
2: <laughs> Dan, uh, have you done anything besides, uh, fiction as a professional, or are you stuck with fiction? Have you had an, or if well, not, have you thought about doing docs or? non-fiction. So, no, no, I,
1: they're not on my IMDb, but I've done, I've shot probably a hundred short docs. Wow. I did, I did, man, I don't know how many, Um, like there were short, short docs. I was, I did, it was for TELUS. Um, it was called, the show was called My Vancouver. And I'd do about 15 days a month. We'd go out and shoot like two docs a day. So we'd shoot a doc in the morning from three to four hours of shooting, you know, basically cut together an interview. We'd take notes and then basically cover everything in uh, uh, that we'd need to cover the interview. Like, you know, usually it was just like little short docs on businesses, like things that were unique, like making certain... Beer or something like that, um, or whatever—just things that were local to BC, like a lot of signature dishes we'd make. We'd interview chefs or artists who were, you know, doing stuff with like pottery or whatever. We just did so much work. So I did, I did a lot of that for about three years, two or three years.
2: Did you enjoy the unscripted work?
1: yeah no I really I really enjoyed it i uh um we haven't gotten into this, but I'm really sad that I can't do that kind of work anymore. why um, uh 2017, I was diagnosed with cancer and uh, uh, as of last February they found a tumor in my spine so. Uh, And then since, I guess, September, I've, I've had a lot of neurological issues um, in my left leg from it. Um, And so I can, I can't really, you know, I can barely walk, let alone run around with a camera and a bunch of heavy equipment anymore. So I I miss, I miss that really, you know, like I, I had two weeks um, offered to me in January this year to shoot a doc And, uh, you know, that on a long form doc, which I don't have a lot of experience with, but I was offered a show, a documentary in early January and I had it turned down. So uh, I can still at least get behind a monitor and get up and tell my, you know, my grip and gaffer and my camera people what to do. But unfortunately, my body's uh, it's been a tough, tough year.
2: Sending you lots of love.
1: No, yeah, yeah, for so. sure.
2: Dan, how many projects are you are you doing uh, a year? And 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 your health, the state of your health. How is that affecting your art right now? Are you are you? I mean, we all should be living, taking it day to day. But how are you? Are you coping? Is the work allowing you to keeping busy? Is that helping you?
1: So, uh, I'll answer the first one. Um, typically. I think, yeah, I think, you know, for the last few years, it averages out between like six to seven movies a year. That's a lot. That's great. Yeah. 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 So, like last year, I did five Hallmarks and I did one um, indie uh, Punjabi feature that was set in um, 1905. Um, cool. so we sh- we sh- they shot that over like nine weeks. Um, so f- seven weeks in in BC, either on the island or up at Barkerville historic um, town, uh, or in studio. So we we did a bunch of studio sets as well, and then they did two weeks in India. And uh, I can't remember the full name of the movie, but we it was Chala. Um, I'd have to look it up. Chala Chalamaginahaya, but it did really, really well. In uh, India or here too? No, here, yeah. Wow. Specifically here, here in in Europe. Um, What is it about? um, So it's a story, a coming to Canada story, actually. No way. So an early Punjabi um, migrants to Canada getting jobs in an old mill and basically it's kind of a socialist story. No way. Uh, Yeah. So the, there's kind of the bad guy and he is trying to use like, basically there's, so there's like the main owner of the mill and then there's kind of the white workers who are treated a certain way. And then the Punjabi work, workers who are treated, um, who are treated really poorly. terribly, basically yeah. poorly at, you at know, the turn they, of
0: last century, right when when you know exactly. racism That's was just like a popular thing to do.
1: Yeah, so. I think this took place in 1905 or 1906 or something like that. Right. Um. So the and but then there was the foreman, and he was trying to he was basically squirreling money away from the owner and then making the owner go broke and then he was gonna buy the um, buy it out from them and basically um, the Punjabis pool their money together along with some of the other white workers and they basically form a workers a, a worker owned mill. Right. Is the story at the end. So it's cool. very sweet.
2: We'll post a link to it. Yeah, we'll um, put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah it's, no, a, it's, it's
1: it's a good one. It's half it's half in English and half in Punjabi.
2: So that's like a period piece. That must have been yeah, kind totally. of fun. Yeah, totally. It's a neat poster. Actually, I was drawn to the poster. It's a super cool poster.
1: Yeah, we um, shooting at Barkerville was amazing. We did five weeks in Barkerville. And then we did a week and a half or a week. Yeah, a week and or so up at a historical mill in, um, Port Kelts somewhere on the island. I can't remember where it was. Um, and then, yeah. And then as, as I said, we did some sec unit shooting and stuff at the studio work. So yeah, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun.
2: Dan being as prolific as you are, um, how long does it take from the start? Like pre-production, to production, you're doing, you said, six to seven films a year. So how long is each project taking you from beginning to end, would you
1: say? Uh, Well, I'll tell you, the majority of work I do is the Hallmark movies. Um, We do three weeks of prep, uh, three, and then 15 days of shoot. So it's three weeks shooting. And then um, oftentimes they're editing as we go, uh, the director will do. I'm trying to remember how much they actually get to to, to, to do a director's cut. I want to say it's two to three days, but budgets keep getting tighter and tighter. So it might be one to two days. I'm not, I really not sure. Uh, then they do a producer's cut and then they do a studio cut. Um, and uh, And Depending on the show, like I think I we've had as little as three weeks of of post Jesus. We'll to get it to air.
2: Jesus, tight, tight. Do you? Um, how did you get into Hallmark Films? How did you stumble into the franchise?
1: <sighs> um, well, when I was shooting all those documentaries, um, I get days shooting. Uh, as a camera operator on a lot of Hallmark movies with a bunch of the DPs I know. Um, And then because I was shooting as, you know, I was shooting short films and uh, I was shooting a lot of indie movies. Um, I worked for a company called real one, which had, you know, they're really low budget. Like they have like 900,000 for a show. Um, And they'll shoot 12 days So I shot like four movies with them. They were TV movies, maybe five movies for them. Um, As a DP, they gave me a shot to DP. And then basically from that, I was able to move on to Hallmark because there was just so much Hallmark shooting here. Because basically Hallmark went from shooting like, I don't know what it was, like 10 to 15 movies to 40 wow movies a year and a a lot not all of those 40 but a lot of them are shot in vancouver so uh they were just all sudden out of nowhere needing dps and um, you know i ended up getting a job with with a company called front street and they went to bat for me and uh i worked for them doing a bunch of movies from 2019 to probably 2021 um and then uh and then i did a bunch of other work with a bunch it just worked out that way that i ended up working with a bunch of other companies last year um i feel like if
0: you if you do that many films in a year you probably are honing your craft if nothing
1: yeah, I, I'd say like you kind of um, you kind of get faster at your job. Yeah, you know, uh, you know what blocking doesn't work for you. Right. Like, you know, like uh, something will start happening blocking wise and they will be like, uh, I'll be like, can we do this instead? Because that will be way easier for camera. And uh, I often win those battles yeah. uh, because of time. We right. just, you know, we've only got 15 days to shoot 100 page scripts, and it's like time is time is money. You know, we don't go over, we don't go over time. We have 12 hours to to make it, and if you don't make it, then <laughs> that's when you know I might lose my job if it ever comes down that it. it's my it's me that's slow.
2: Oh no! So, yeah, yeah. Dan, have you thought of? uh of uh, directing or writing scripts or do you have is that part of the ambitions in the future or do you like just being behind the camera
1: no i i kind of feel like i'm at the top of my where i want to be um i don't really have any directing aspirations uh, probably because i don't really like talking to actors (laughs) um i like just making them pretty um and uh you know, I used to, I, as like, you know, I have a kind of have a background in um, motion graphics and stuff, but I, I just didn't like sitting in front of a computer every day. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. um, I mean, I mean, writing, a deal... writing's not my strong suit. So my, that's my wife's strong suit. My wife is a writer, but oh, cool.
0: Does she write for film or just for... Uh... Or uh, stuff.
1: She hasn't written a, a a script. Um, she's written a novel and a bunch of short stories. Oh,
2: fantastic. And, What's you wanna you wanna uh give us her name and some maybe some is there something published people can uh can find? Uh, can buy?
1: She is she is unpublished at the moment. Okay. So she is uh she's written a book, I swear to you, okay. this thick. And uh a publisher loved it but wanted a bunch of changes so she's in the middle of changes
0: what That's genre great. is it
1: uh post-apocalyptic fantasy
0: ah okay cool that sounds maybe great make
2: it, you should option it right now <laughs> yeah option your rice movie yeah right away
1: yeah um, well i always we'll love she idea. ever finishes <laughs> uh,
2: no one's gonna get mad but i always love to ask a salacious question so uh, in my experience as a director, I usually it's usually the sound guy that's freaking out all the time. It's not the uh, it's not the DOP. It's the sound guy who's the worst. Um, have you worked with? I mean, you have to be you have to be collaborative as the DOP. Do you have directors that are like losing their mind because you're behind and they're? Um, I, I, have, you know,
1: I I've worked with direct, directors who just don't like waiting on anything. If if we're not rolling, then you know, like they're just impatient. <laughs> but i've never had uh i've never had the feedback that i'm too slow or that um yeah like i'm pretty i'm pretty fast with my with my lighting we don't generally i'm not you know i'm trying to think
0: we've well, done so like, many you must have a good system you must know what yeah, works yeah
1: no we i i work with like the same gaffer and often the same key grip so Mm -hmm. they kind of know like my style um know what i want so it's just like and like which is really helpful now because you know i i have a cane and it takes me a little while to get from village to set and you know my gaffer will be like based on what i just saw i'm thinking of light here and here and i'll be like yes there and there and let's do a backlight here so you know like I'll, he know he he's able to basically know what i want because yeah. we've done so much together
0: that's fantastic um,
1: yeah his name name's mike martell he's great great mike guy martell.
0: we'll put him in the show it, notes too
2: it sounds so much smoother than making documentaries where it feels like i'm always we're always like one shot away from disaster one participant yeah. away from yeah, one, or else, one, or else one battery, is like, uh, one battery missing from disaster.
0: Yeah, Evan's like, film that thing that happened 30 seconds ago.
2: That's why that I think, think, think that we're fantasizing about doing fiction at some point yeah. because it just feels like, wow, something scripted. This is, yeah. this is a strange concept. Something is contained because, in doc, as you know, in documentary, when you're shooting doc, it's like there's always a problem. It's just oh, always, I a problem. F- there's always the amount a of
1: times that I forgot my headphones. Um, is i can't even count like it's just you mean you show up on my headphones and i'm like digging through bags looking for my spare because i know that i have a spare i was like oh i I didn't you know whatever oh my my director might have one or i might have one in the car just like you forget something because you're yeah you're you don't have a day to prep and it's you know you got to come in grab all the gear then make sure, yeah make sure all the batteries are charged yeah no i'm, I'm <laughs> well aware post, of... you're having,
2: you're, I can see having post traumatic stress thinking about it
1: oh, yeah uh, no for sure it's specifically <laughs> the it was specifically the headphones for me though just there was a sign that my director made dan remember your headphones <laughs>
2: You don't have well, you don't have the director pulling on your arm like I do to Noah going cut cutaway, you know, the cutaway. <laughs> there needs to be the cutaway. Whisper, whispering the cutaway? in my like ear. Where's the cutaway?
0: Yeah. I have to remember, I have to remember to give always give Evan a, a little monitor, otherwise he's he's over my shoulder like this the whole time.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. so. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like right out of the Oh man, it's a mockumentary. No,
0: nah, it's okay. It's all good um dan do you prefer doing the hallmark stuff or do you like to do more like um independent or horror or what's your I, favorite thing to do
1: of course i love to do independent and i love to do horror movies and um um
0: i didn't want to diss the hallmark stuff because no, I know I, like and i don't i don't a want genre. to diss
1: hallmark either because you know i they're my main employer and nice
2: uh, house nice house nice yeah. house they're the main employer of
1: that house. yeah oh yeah nice house yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah where are you going with this evan
1: <laughs> yeah Hallmark, I, ironically, Hallmark I, I ironically not only do hallmarks uh pay me as a cinematographer they also pay me to shoot in my house so
0: <laughs> really that's amazing yeah nice yeah. must be a really nice house
1: yeah, no, I don't. It's uh, I don't know if you can see. Wow. So is, he,
2: he used the word heritage, and then I immediately, yeah, wow, oh my, yeah. So Definitely. it's like a different kind of working from home. Definitely a hallmark home, especially if you're doing yeah. Christmas movies for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a beautiful. I wonder if I can actually share. Um, only a host can share in this meeting. Okay, you'd have oh, to sorry. change me to host.
0: Um, I don't remember how to do
1: it. Okay. It doesn't matter. I can, I can show you a picture of my, my house. Sure. Actually. We'll yeah. believe you. That's the people, the, the listeners interview.
0: on the podcast can't see anyway.
2: So. We'll post it. We'll, pay, we'll post a nice photo. If you send it to yeah. us, we'll put it up. We'll post your
0: photo and your address. and maybe, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh...
2: <laughs> you're do- Hey, you're doxing him. Hey, no, no, we can't dox <laughs> Oh the, yeah,
1: no, can't dox I know. That's bad. I forgot. Can't yeah. Dox yeah. No, I'll just, I'll just share it with you guys. Just, oh, uh, right. but, uh, it's, 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 it's in a bunch of hallmarks.
0: Awesome. That's great. Yeah.
2: Do you huh. do you, to further what Noah had said, and do you have a project that I mean? You said you didn't write, but is there is there a dream project that you'd love to do, or that if it comes your way, you'll be like, yes, I'll do this for free. I want to do this. Is there something that you'd really love to do, or
1: well,
0: um, games, maybe. or yeah, something
1: yeah, like that, that you've work,
0: already done?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Ali, like we didn't really get into Ali was screaming. I think there was um, technical issues when we started talking about Ali was screaming. Right. So Ali was Ali was screaming was um a project that um my ex-partner and i um well he mostly produced it and i shot it but you know it was my you know it was my my company too so i'm listed as like an associate producer or whatever (laughs) um and uh it was uh um wow jeremy 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 why am I blanking on Jeremy's last name? Jeremy Thomas. Um, sorry. Give me a second. Uh, yeah, Jeremy Thomas. So I had done, I had done a movie in 2005. It was my first feature, um, with Jeremy. So Jeremy, Jeremy did a movie. i had written a movie called the end and, um, I was the cinematographer for it. Um, and we shot for three months. I think it was, it was three or four months off and on basically because I was working for Course entertainment at the time. Um, as a kind of production designer for commercial doing commercial work. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekends we'd shoot his movie. So I didn't have a life for three months. And uh, Jeremy it was a like for an indie movie it did really well in theater like in the in the circuit for yeah. independent like the horror because it was kind of like a it wasn't really horror but it was like it was weird it, it was odd there was had horror elements to it um it was kind of about a guy going crazy who thought he was in a movie and and oh. uh, it was really fun you know really really low budget um I think he had like I think he had like five thousand dollars we all we all worked for free and uh we all worked for food basically um and then he wrote this other movie called Ali was screaming and he came to us because uh uh Colin my ex-business partner and I teamed up on um, the end as well so after that movie we had such a good time that we decided we'd start developing our own projects and doing corporate videos and whatever we could to stay alive and uh yeah we took on Ali was Screaming and uh it was a it was a great experience we had it was um a telefilm project uh, mm-hmm. I think first a uh, telefilm first features project. So we didn't have mm-hmm. a ton of money. I think three, 400,000. If I'm, I might be speaking up my butt. Cause I wasn't really dealing with any of the numbers. So, <laughs> um, and uh, it starred some really great actors. Um, Nile matter um, is actually a, uh you know, back back then he wasn't, but he, now he's a Hallmark heartthrob. Really? Um, yeah. And he played like kind of this mean He was shot. Like he was only there for like two days and like he shone, like he was just like such a great character. His character, Andrew in the movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, Andrew is which, which one is Andrew again? Is that the husband?
1: Uh, he's, he's, he's kind of the, the business owner guy that he's the, the meat eater Guy, yes. Do, yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah, looking,
0: tra- looking at the trailer. Yeah, yeah, he dr- he pulls up in the BMW. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And then we had Camille Sullivan who I believe her and Charlie Carrick I believe they won like best actors at the or some some accolade um that year at the um Whistler Film Festival. Great so because of our movie so they got like it it did really really well in and uh then jeremy hasn't done anything since hmm. <laughs> and so uh, he's written a few movies but hasn't really got anything off the ground so and that was when did we shoot that that was
0: nine years 14 i think yeah
1: it was like yeah. almost a ago. decade ago so let's see 20, 2005 to
0: 2014 and then what how many years is that nine years yeah. So you got to, uh, 12, 13. yeah, I guess it's time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I, uh, I've learned a lot since the first one and, uh, with him, the end in 2005 and, uh, I think Ali was screaming was a, you know, really tested my skills as a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you
0: still like to watch? Ali was screaming i find that does, sometimes there's a film that you still if you still like to watch it you know several years yeah, later no,
1: for sure. I, I feel like Ali was you know it was such a momentous thing for us and it was good um you know there's a few scenes where i'm just like i wouldn't do that nowadays like I was really <laughs> you know that was poor cinematography or whatever like i i hope i've learned a lot mm-hmm. so there's a few scenes that bug me in that movie but um, I also pushed a lot, you know, and uh, yeah.
2: Have you, have you gone back to teach or guest host, not guest host, guest teach at your alma mater at all? you? No. no.
1: I'm not a teacher. I do not <laughs> have the patience. I taught, I taught editing because I, I learned a little bit of, I did a little bit of editing in my early, early, early career. Um and uh uh there was at in Calgary there's um um oh man. This is where I this is why I don't teach you. I'm so okay. forgetful and things. We're
0: going we're going back in time, it's okay.
1: Yeah. Um anyways, Calgary has like a film uh co-op.
0: Oh, and, Calgary uh, Society of Independent Filmmakers.
1: Yes, thank you, CSIS. Thank you. So uh, they would run programs for people, so you could sign up, pay a little bit of money, and learn about either, you know, learning about their edit machines. I think I was I was teaching Final Cut, you know, or an early Final Cut Pro. I think it's what I was teaching
0: when I was there. They didn't even have final cut yet. They had media 100 or something like that.
1: Oh yeah. Nice. No, this is just when they had just got their final cut suite in. And I, I knew a lot about final cut at the time because I was doing a lot of editing in it. And they were like, would you be able to do a a class? And I was like, I've never done a class before. I'll I'll try. And I just realized I did not have the patience because I had like one guy who basically knew almost as much as I did and he was fine. And then I had a, a girl who, an a, an older woman, like I was probably in my twenties and she was probably in her forties, late forties, early fifties. And, you know, I had to explain how what a button, right click button, you know, was <laughs> like, and I was just <laughs> like, I, that just drove me nuts because, you know, I'm trying to teach like, you know how to assemble and she does she can't even use the tools to get to like you know like I just I couldn't yeah,
0: it's like this is what a computer is
1: yeah exactly so yeah. um yeah I learned in that experience that I was not meant to be a teacher
0: there you go stick with and, what you, stick with what you're good at
2: now yeah. what advice would you give to uh a young person who wants to be uh, become a cinematographer like what would you say is the most important piece of advice
1: um I guess I guess there are two kind of ways to go about it and I've seen them both work very well and one is you work your way up through the ranks and um I you know I know a few guys who have done it that way they started as a trainee second first camera operator you know some went on to do steady cam and then they got their shot doing you know because they're on a they're on a series for 10 years and they finally get a shot to be dop they do a really good job and now they're you know doing like heartland for example that's one of the one of the guys i know who uh, is the heartland dp in calgary and he's doing great um and then there's the way i kind of went about doing it which is just because i never really did those jobs um i maybe did a second seconding for a commercial like like a psa so i was like i don't think i was even paid um or was an honorarium i think and uh basically you know you just basically you invest you take some of that money that you would have done maybe instead of going to film school you invest into a camera and you shoot whatever you can all the time and you know you try to make a little you try you basically just cover your costs and shoot and find directors and shoot (laughs) and shoot some more like just shoot as much as you can because you're going to learn what works and what doesn't you know watch Mm -hmm. obviously the greats you know yeah watch watch what they do if you know watch listen to any of the podcasts and stuff that where they talk about their craft i'm terrible at talking about my craft i apologize
2: oh really (laughs) do you do you, you know you're doing great do you have a favorite cinematographer do um, you look some that you've loved or some that you you've learned I from mean,
1: like Roger Deacons obviously yeah. um I mean who doesn't yeah. love his work
0: yeah I don't I don't like him at all I think he's you think he's a terrible hack
2: yeah. that a oh boy <laughs> no is there, so Roger Deacons is there a film that you cinematographically love um that, you, that you'll reference as a personal favorite
1: uh a movie for some reason that sticks out to me is uh Frank Darabont's uh Green Mile. Oh, it has just a really beautiful look to it. Um uh and it made me cry it's like just ball in the theaters. So. Yeah. <laughs> um beautiful. Beautiful I mean movie. that uh, it's an incredible movie. Um I'm trying to think. Um Um. Um. What? Oh, sorry, I'm blank. These are the questions that I'm just like don't have names at That's the top right. of my head.
0: Roger Deakins um, in the Green Mile. Those are pretty. Well, good I mean, you know,
2: Shawshank Redemption is also beautifully shot as well. I think. Yeah. Um. So you know, he's a, he's uh a, he did some at that time
1: some great films.
2: Yeah. Um. I wanted to ask you. This is maybe a. a
1: that, that was sorry. sorry. Um. Uh, David Tattersall was the director of photography of uh, Green Mile. I was just saying that that's just, I, I, when you would ask, uh, what movies came to my head that it wasn't a Deacon's movie. Uh, so apologies. Um, uh, a Deacon's movie that comes to mind, um, Assassination Jesse James would be that's a one. Great film. That's I a haven't great seen film. it.
2: I haven't seen it yet. by the coward Robert Ford. We're going to write this down. By the coward Robert Ford is a is a oh it's an underrated classic.
1: Yeah, it's that's a great it's, film a little, it's a little slow. Great um, well
2: beautifully shot film. I agree with you.
1: Beautifully shot film. Yeah. And I, I had the pleasure of actually working with um the gaffer of that movie, uh, Mart Mar, Marty Keel in Calgary. So I got to shoot a commercial with him once. So that was cool. That's
2: that's still it's, an underrated movie. It's still an underrated movie. People a lot of people have not heard about that movie. Brad Pitt? Yeah. yeah. Great cast. Great ensemble cast. Mm. Yeah. Um, Casey Affleck? I
0: have to add it to my list. I have a really long list of movies that people have told me I have to see.
1: Shame on you, Mr. DOP. I'm
0: the terrible cinephile.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I've, I'm a horrible cinephile myself. It's just like... Well, you're, you're busy making lot movies. Of... That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. It's a good problem yeah. to have.
2: Dan, what is it that, um, so I want to go back to the Green Mile for a second. So in the Green Mile, what is the, D, in, in your opinion, what is the DOP doing that's eliciting this emotional response in you as you're watching this as a
1: viewer? Hmm. I'm trying to remember specifically, it's been a while since I have seen Green Mile, but it's just one of, it's a movie that stick, sticks out to me as what, like, an early movie where I I just remembered the cinematography and just going like, wow, what a beautiful film. And it really like, it's, it's a movie that tugged, tugged so hard at my heartstrings. And, uh, you know, I think because it was, it's, um, I, I wonder if it's because of like, a lot of the lens choices because they're um they were in jail, right? And so it yeah. mm-hmm. uh, felt like you had a lot of these wide angle close-ups in that movie. Um and if I wonder, I'm curious, um, if they shot the anamorphic. Don't again, it's been so long. Um
0: I feel like <laughs> it's I feel like it was just from my memory, but I can't. It's been a long time. So
2: I have to put it on the list to watch again. The Green Mile. It plays a lot. Yeah. It plays a lot. It's it's a, a classic. Yeah. No,
1: they, they, it was shot uh, spherical. Hmm. So yeah, so I think maybe just like they might have done like wide angle close ups to really make you feel like you're present. Oh. Um and you got to know these characters so well in this in that setting. Um, you know, you I I just remember like really creative camera angles, you know, like that scene where they where is it Percy? Um, what was the name of the the, don't remember the the bad the bad cop?
0: Yeah, the the guy from Goodfellas. What's his name? He doesn't put the water on the sponge.
1: Yeah, that guy. Anyways, <laughs> I just remember that scene with the the Cirque de Mousy and uh, you know, just some crazy camera angles and how they kill the mouse, and just like it was very creative. And I remember, you know, a, a lot of scenes because you kind of had like a messiah figure in um, John Joffe, John Coffee. Mm -hmm. he was kind of a messiah figure so some of the you know some of the shots that they did with him and his power and just i don't know i just found it like just really a fascinating movie and this came out in 1999 i think yeah yeah and i I just i just moved to calgary and i was just trying to figure out you know what i want to do with my life and it's definitely one of the movies that I think kind of push pushes pushed me towards filmmaking. It was that and Toy Story Two, believe it or not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> also a great film.
2: Yeah, yeah. My my, uh, my inspiration to get into film was uh, much darker. Was when I saw Full Metal when I saw Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket.
1: Oh wow! I
2: yeah. wanted to. Uh, that's completely on another level. Yeah, <laughs> um, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you another question about as a dop. Uh, when noah and I were we had a lot of challenges doing docs during the at the kind of the storm of the right in the heart of the pandemic and a lot of the time we were um having to have our characters our participants film on their phones and direct remotely what do you think of the proliferation of technology now like the access that people shooting films on iphones ten on on iPhones and
1: yeah I'm, is I of a
2: purist or is that cool to you uh
1: I mean I'm not a purist cuz I don't sh- shoot film and I think anybody who says that film is the only way to shoot is you know kidding themselves um but I think you know having a se- selection of real lenses is a lot better than you know your three lenses that you have on your phone <laughs> um but it's like time, a true I'm, spoken I, like a true DLP. Yeah, um... that was just a
2: test. We're just testing to see if you're the, CPU, the <laughs> real deal. That's I'm not <laughs> Noah talks like that too, and I just roll my eyes. But that's you're you're yeah. right.
0: Well, like, stop sending me your iPhone stuff.
1: Yeah. So, but so I'm just adjusting here. Um, my my cousin's son. So, what does that make him? My see, I'm I'm, second, I'm, second, very, I'm very the bad second, at the, the, the cousin second mouth. cousin. Okay. Second, so my second cousin, he just moved to Vancouver, and he's shooting um, weddings and stuff on his phone, or he's got a bunch of phones and sets them wow. up. And I'm just like, "Well,
0: I can see that working well for weddings,
1: though." I don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, not really. I yeah, don't I don't know. I've, I've actually, you know that's... what? I've,
0: I've always secretly wondered you know, wanted to try it is what I mean. Um, It's been like a, it's like, what do you call it? It's, it's one of those secret perversions that you have in the back of your filmmaker mind. What if I shot this on an iPhone? Could I, could I make something that people would want to watch?
2: They've done it. People have done shot feature films on their iPhone. It's been done.
1: It's been done. Yeah. It's it's still being done.
0: Yeah. But I, um, as of yet, they're not as beautiful as films that are shot properly.
1: So. I yeah, I, and I think that's just because of the the type of lenses we all have access to. I mean, I guess not we all, because you know they're hundreds of thousands of dollars set of glass. But yeah, well,
2: yeah. I, that's what I that's what I that's what I learned from Noah as a, a director who doesn't have a you know doesn't have a cinematographical background is it's all about the lenses. Even though I'm yelling at him to stop changing lenses in the middle of a, a moment. Yeah, but like, no, we got to put the 85. But uh, but it's but it's really I agree with you. It is about the lens. The lens is, the lens changes everything. The intimacy, the mm-hmm. uh, the context for sure.
1: Mhm.
2: Yeah.
0: cool That's a nice validation uh Evan coming from you.
2: About, well, I mean, uh, my, well, about well, my, about our craft well you know like my background was as an as an as an archivist and as an as an interviewer so when i came in to start making documentaries it was nothing visual for me that was interesting it was all about the content right it was right. the interview
1: right. and
2: then i realized as i as i grew as a as a filmmaker that it doesn't matter how many questions i'm asking it's really about letting my cinematographer cinematographers do their job and capture
1: 100% the the buy in is uh half the battle i think you know, Mm -hmm. having a good team that really cares about telling the story. There's a big difference that I find when you don't have that, but also a big difference is the budget. And um, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you know, every year, like uh, locations get more expensive or, you know, somebody wants to take more money, actors take the majority of our budget and uh, you know, and we we're left just trying to, like a two a two million dollar budget, just goes like that, man. Like,
0: do you feel do you feel like that's crippling the, I I the $2 industry $2 or budget. crippling your work?
1: Well, again, be, I, don't, I don't. It's again because it is hallmark. I mm-hmm. I don't think the viewership really cares, cares that much cares. as long as there's a, yeah. a love story they can get behind. Right, right, and so as long as the actors and the directors, and as long as it looks good, you know, and uh, I think they don't really notice a okay.
0: lot. but I mean, for I you, don't, I for don't know.
1: You. I, I don't want to say the Hallmark viewership are, are I, I'm not. Yeah, I, I just think they just they just you know it's on the background. They Know it's safe, uh, yeah, they're, they're not watching they it
0: to, because they're connoisseurs of cinema,
1: yeah, exactly. So, but they they love a simple story, a simple yeah. love story, and there are millions of viewers like so many people I have met watch it,
0: yeah,
1: and it's just always they're just always watching those movies, and I think that's great, that's awesome. Uh, do I do I You know, uh, like a little, a little story. So in 2017, I think the union here, the 669 union basically put their foot down because a lot of union DPs would come in, you know, if if they were slow in getting work, they would come and shoot a Hallmark. Uh, But most of the Hallmarks are non-union and they basically said, no, you can't shoot um any non-union projects unless they're like 500,000 or under um and I was on a show at the time and I was a camera operating and on a Wednesday in our second week of shooting we lost our DOP our B camera operator our B camera first B camera second and our DIT because wow. the union put their foot down, it was like April first. Wow. Uh, we'd and already shot, no joke. and it was no joke. And they they've threatened to like garnish their wages for every day they worked on the on the project. And um, and uh, you know it made me pause thinking about joining the union because I was like you know like what happens if there's a writer strike and it's slow? Well, guess you know guess who's working right now and. I am working. I work in the non-union world and most of my, most of my colleagues are not because this union strike just happened. Uh, they just announced it today, hmm. but the sh- a ton of shows have been holding off because they were, they didn't want to get shut down mid project. So it's really slow here union wise in, in, well, in Canada in general. Hmm. So unless so you're, unless not, project, you're not in the union i am non-union so interesting yeah so i had planned to join the union yeah um and so what basically uh this happened this union thing happened where they were like no you can't work on the non-union stuff and then i found out i had cancer Jeez. and and I was just like, okay, I'm not joining the union. (laughs) Um, Because it was just, it was like two blows right right at the same time, basically. Like, because that happened in April. And then uh, in May is when I found out I had cancer. So, um, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, cancer kind of took the... Uh, not i guess not really the ability to join the union but it definitely made me just I haven't pursued it mm-hmm.
0: um it, it changed your direction
1: yeah it, it really did because Probably i was in just lots like, of ways. <clears throat> yeah because I, I you know um the the hallmarks are non-stressful for me the the directors are chill nobody's screaming and yelling and mm-hmm. I've you hear a ton of horror stories in the union world where people are screaming. They, they, they have a project that's too big for them and are leaning heavily on the DPs to do all the work. Like just so many, uh, so many crazy stories that you hear Mm -hmm. in the union world. But I'm just like, I don't know if I want that stress, you know? And so I kind of decided just to stay Doing this kind of work, and you I'm need, happy.
2: You need your energy to to take care of of yourself as well. It's not just yeah. about money. It's a, and, yeah, and, I mean, and your family too.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the money the money is pretty comparable. Considering I don't have to pay union dues, and I don't have to have to pay for a um uh, like a, ma- a manager, or whatever, like a publicist. So mm-hmm.
2: no, no, lot no. Noah and I are doing a doc. Uh, well, it's it's going to be a long slog. It's one of our projects, which is about men and mental health, and uh, a lot of the catalysts for the participants is 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 disease, having a cancer or the loss of someone in the family, so or, or some grieving someone. Yeah. So, or uh, or in of... J-
0: Jason's case, it's the it's the catalyst for him realizing that he has that he's depressed, right? So. Mm.
2: Yeah
1: yeah depression's a real thing i um for me i get a little bit of seasonal but that's nothing compared to mm-hmm. somebody who you know I, I i have a couple friends who you know they they get it real bad <laughs> like unable to get out of bed bad and it's just like ugh, i can't i can't imagine what what that's that's like but yeah um it's a real thing it. and it's a people real don't thing. talk
0: about it and uh people don't People don't care about it sometimes when it's men because men are supposed to be self sufficient and stuff. But you know,
2: yeah, internalizing this is very very unhealthy. Yeah, um, I lost my dad to to cancer, so I um yeah it's um,
1: uh, cancer man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> are you so? Are you an ongoing treatment now? Are you? Can you do? Do you want to? Uh, I feel like we should just get more clarity from you. Are you, are you an ongoing treatment? Are you?
1: yeah so um I I have CT scans every three months um I take a a drug called exitinib, which uh, the way kidney cancer I had kidney cancer is the type of cancer I had renal cell carcinoma <clears throat> and uh, it's kind of like genetic malfunction is that it wants to create blood vessels. Mm. Uh, which, um, uh, which the, the I think it's called angiogenesis is the term. So it's just these clumps, it just cl- clumps of like blood vessel cells that are out of control, right? And, uh, the drug that I take is called a kinase inhibitor, which kind of stops your body from uh, being able to do. Androgenesis. I don't really know the full uh yeah the full mumbo jumbo um, that that it all does but um it's supposed to it's supposed to stop the cancer from growing um and you know I've it's been six it'll be six years this may um that I've known I've had cancer, basically it would have been, they, they figured I, it was slowly growing for about a year. So, um, yeah. Um, so, um, currently the tumor in my spine is listed as stable. Um, which means that the, the, um, the exitinib is taking you know is just stopped it from growing cuz I was able to I basically when we found out I took a higher dose
0: mm-hmm.
1: um uh, but it's still it's grown enough that it's pressing on nerves which is causing the issues with my right. leg um i just had a nerve blocker put in to help with the pain <laughs> um cuz i was really uncomfortable sitting for for long times or standing for long times so that's that's kind of helped um uh, at least with the pain and um surgery potentially on the table at some point but the surgeon doesn't want to do it while the tumor is stable uh basically and then yeah so Uh, I'm really hoping not to do surgery, but, um, yeah, because it, it, it's going to be three months of recovery and they have to fuse my L4 to my L5 and my L5 to my S1 after they dig all the cancer out of my spine and then recovery after that and losing about 10 to 15% of my mobility. Wow. So, yeah, it's, uh it's shitty <laughs> yeah yeah and it and it, i you know i feel like it has taken away some opportunity for me but you know i'm i'm providing for my family and um and uh i like what i do yeah. like you know like uh getting out of bed to um you know, work on my house or whatever, uh, is unlikely, but me getting out and spending 12 hours on set. Yeah. I'll do that every day any day, no matter how I'm feeling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just, I love being behind the camera. I love, I just love being on set. And so I, I seem to find the energy and the will to get up and go to work on days when I don't feel like doing that for anything else So yeah
0: I have a lot of admiration for you Dan you're a family guy you're um you're doing what you love and um you're making it work and you're you know you're overcoming obstacles um I think I think a lot of us you know in the, in the filmmaking world world we're concerned about making movies um just as like a like a a career sort of thing but um you know there's real life is still happening on top of that you know so oh.
1: It's really, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard thing. Um, it It's definitely a lifestyle film, you know, like if you, like for example, I play saxophone and uh, I used to play, I used to sing in choirs and musicals uh, when I was younger. I, you kind of have to give that up because, you know, when you have a schedule that's, 15 days and you don't know when your start date start time is and your end time will be uh throughout the week if you know like if they're you know if you're being required to practice any night (laughs) you know it's Mm -hmm. or or have like rehearsals or performances like can't really agree to that stuff anymore so it's definitely you know you have it's something um And you have to really know you want to (laughs) do. And uh, I really, really, really like, like, if it wasn't for my wife, like, I don't think any of this would be possible. Like the fact that she is on board with that lifestyle has accepted it. Like my wife is the biggest saint in the world. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, she's looking after two Two young children and a sick husband and making the household run and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, and working above that. So uh, finding finding a good partner, whoever he, she, them are like so important to uh, a working family in this industry.
0: For sure. It's nice to be surrounded by good people too.
2: Dan, thanks uh, so much for your for your candor, uh, and I think it's incredibly inspiring that uh, with uh, what's going on, that you're as prolific as you are. I think that's just uh, that's just great. And as you said, in front of every a great man is a great woman. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, really uh, appreciate uh, being on the podcast. It's certainly not a lazy filmmaker yeah although not yeah. this is more tongue-in-cheek than anything but I think it was a. a...
1: yeah no I it's funny because I I, I, I sometimes some days I I do feel like a lazy filmmaker but um, maybe maybe in the grand scheme of things uh, it's, that's not true <laughs> no, just go <laughs> on go on IMDb go on
2: and look up Dan and, you should, and you'll see that it's not a lazy filmmaker by any means